I don't clap. I just I flick one of the springs on my mic. Boom. <laughs> I mean, Thanks. yeah, but it sounds a lot easier to get ready to clap and get ready to make like a really like sharp, uh, you know, audio. Well, I don't know what do you call it? Audiogram? No, that's not audiogram. You know, like like a clapper. No, a really sharp noise on your histogram. No, that's that's pictures. I don't know what you call a, hi- a histogram. Isn't that like related to smelling? I mean, histogram is is what like when you take a photo and you you see the squiggly lines of tree like where the photo is is overexposed and stuff. That's a histogram, I think. I was thinking of histamine. <laughs> yes, make a histamine. Yeah, histogram is what you get after you blow your nose. No, no, Instagram is the micro photo sharing platform that's taken over. No, no, but when you own it, it's a histogram. And when your wife has oh, it, my it's wife a has a her a herstagram. Nice. <laughs> Wait, I thought a herstagram was for dead people. <laughs> if it's going to your grandma's house. We're back, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> I'm not even going to do an intro. I'm just going to go cold right into that. Yeah, so yeah, right. So we wrapped up the 2022 Delta Green Shotgun uh, scenario contest. Um which I thought was pretty successful. We had 53 entries, um, which is, you know, it's not a record, but it's still, I mean, still pretty solid. I mean, when you think about it, that's, you know, across maybe 45-ish or so submitters. You know, that's 45 people who spent some time writing scenarios and, in theory, playtesting them. So that's, you know, hundreds of people got to play games because of this contest and stuff. So I, I look at it as a pretty good success. It was also the first year I changed up the voting as I know we've talked about before, and, and maybe at the end of this, I'm happy to talk a little more about some of the details, but we've had some voting issues in the past, and the 2021 scenario contest was so bad, so badly voted that I couldn't I couldn't pull the fake votes out, so we had to kind of scrap. Like, there were no winners. Either either we all won or no one won in the 2021 contest. I think the real, the real winners in 2021 were the friends we made along the way. Yeah, right? Exactly. So this year, I basically split it up. I, I had the people who submitted scenarios got to vote, and those were the first and second place. But if I did only that, then obviously, you know, this is a community contest. So then the people, it's the community voted for a People's Choice Award, and that was basically the third place. So in this case, uh, so folks who have may not heard, the first place winner was Take the A Train by Bird Bailey, and then Saturnalia by Melonbread won second place and People's Choice Awards, which honestly tells me that it was a like not, like that tells me that I was right because the submitters liked it and the people liked it. So I wasn't, people aren't too far off. I mean, is that, Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's a confirmation that the method is is sound. I can't believe Millen won second and third place by splitting his car in half. I I can. <laughs> um. Yeah. So let's talk. Well, I mean, let's talk about Saturnalia. Let's, let's Melon wrote it. Tell us about it, and let's let's tell him. You know. What well, we it was the it. traditional Roman um, solstice festival. Oh no, you mean the scenario? Oh. And later on, it was co-opted by the pagans and then the Christians. The Scenario Saturnalia is based very strongly on the Eagle Talon Fire from Lard Baron's collection Swift to Chase, and it's very easy to see the line of inspiration there. It's the same building, but instead of Eagle Talon, it's Bear Claw. And Eagle Talon is, I believe, based on a real location. I don't remember the name in Alaska. Anyways, uh, in this, the story is about all kinds of stuff that happens on the night of the fire. There's like a serial killer and all kinds of dark sorcery and all that. And many of the specific details, like the guy in the trash bag suit or the woman with the knife, are taken directly from the text. Saturn creeping around, being sinister, is taken from another story in the Beautiful Thing That Awaits Us All collection by the same author. 
specifically that image of seeing a little peephole emanating red light, looking through it and seeing the realm of Saturn where he's being a bad man, taken directly from that story. So, uh, Jake, if I recall correctly, you said that you like this scenario because you think that investigating burning buildings is super fucked up. Oh yeah. Um, I've been in, I've been in a couple and it's frightening because you don't really know how sound the floor is like if the floor is going to give out really really enjoy the story that this scenario is based on the first one because i I like the a lot of the stuff and beautiful thing that awaits us all so i'll I'll definitely give this one a read read swift to chase because there is there's specifically a section about the cop going into the remains of the building afterwards because he thinks that there's someone sneaking around inside i'm gonna give myself ptsd so this scenario Basically, the structure of it for Delta Green is that there's this fire at this at this building during a blizzard, and you arrive after the fire as Delta Green because they found this skeleton of a giant in the in the ruins of the building, and like nobody will nobody none of the survivors of the fire will talk about it except for a couple people who mentioned it obliquely, and it's not a scenario about interrogating them or about that stuff. It's about you go to the site and you look around, and then as you're exploring the building, you start to get like emanations from the night of the fire like you hear the sound of of the the music and people talking and then you start seeing the red glow coming from doorways and you can actually go through into the the night of the fire and like fuck with people and you know get chased around by saturn who's the boss of this place the giant who came out of the basement to assume lordship over the people and then you basically have it, you know, it's your classic, like, do stuff in the real world and do stuff in the uh, the past and find all the clues and stuff. But then someone in the present day is also just killing first responders and dumping them into a hole in the basement to feed Saturn with blood so that he can regenerate. And when he comes back, he's no longer even capable of speech. He's just the creature from the painting. You know the one. Yeah, Hieronymus Bosch painting. No, Goya, my dude. Goya, that's right. I would also I have accepted... I mean, maybe that's the next step. Maybe the next step is a Garden of Earthly Delight scenario. <laughs> right. Did you uh, get to run this as a playtest, or is this one of the ones you didn't get to run? I did not playtest this, and I was going to talk to Will about that, because my hypothesis is that playtesting... My hypothesis was that playtesting is really good. Will, your hypothesis was more in the opposite direction, that playtesting was not so good. And I think the actual truth is that playtesting just doesn't seem to matter, because... The last second place win that I had was Dream Merchants, and Dream Merchants was playtested, and this was not playtested, and they both won second place. Was my hypothesis that playtesting is not so good? Uh, your hypothesis, if I recall correctly, was that um, I don't know if you explicitly said you should not playtest shotgun snare submissions, but I believe your feeling was that it was not good because it was against the spirit of the contest. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think you mentioned violating anonymity before. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't think that you were even that concerned about anonymity when you said it. I think it was more a feeling that you felt that it should be an exercise about using your imagination rather than about polished game design. Oh yeah, I definitely remember you saying this. I think what I said was that it should be a contest about the shotgun scenario that you can write, not the shotgun scenario that you can write with the help of your friend group. Yeah, if, yes. you, if you play this, you're, you're getting collaboration. Well, that was like the other thing is that we. We had a debate about whether playtesting was part of the writing process or whether it was something else. It's certainly part of the scenario writing process. I just, I don't, I, I maintain it's not part of the shotgun scenario process. 
And, I, and I've had people ask me, you want to hey, you want to play test your shotgun scenario? Do it after the contest. Yeah, and I've had people ask me, hey, you know, can I can I give you a cleaned up version after the contest? And I usually say yes. But then it's also Hell like, yeah. should I? Because then it's like, if, if everybody polishes scenarios, and then it's no longer like these weren't the ones submitted. These were these were like the version two point is the ones submitted. So you, well, I just put it in the, like the footnotes. I mean, like here here are a collection of of revised and polished scenarios that were released after the contest. Most of the time, it's like, hey, look, I fixed some typos, and that's like, cool, I'll totally fix those for you. I've, I have not had somebody su- submit like a true like 2.0 yet, so I haven't had to cross that bridge. If I was going to do it, I'd, I, I would say to you, Kevin, all right, here, here's the revised expanded version. Can you just put that like at the very end of the contest? Yeah, entry? for sure. Like, or here, link here's it a in link the first to the one. expanded scenario at like, the very end. Or link it at the top. Like, you're reading Setter now, yeah. Melon has submitted top, yeah. a second version here. Yeah, that's true. I, I know that um, a lot of the people who work on the community fan sites uh as like in the archivist sort of role they don't mind um putting like they preserve the original one and then they can also just update your current one i know that there are, uh, people talked about that before oh no i was i was told the opposite because I, someone asked me like hey i've seen that i see this type one of the guys who works on it says hey i see this typo in um what do you call it uh the audience void because I, I actually ended up erasing an NPC and not putting them back when I was moving stuff around, and so I was like, "Oh, cool! Can I add that in?" And he's like, "No, we can put a we can put a link to a revised draft that you control, but I will not edit this page." I think that's fair because I think there is some value in preserving the contest entry as it was originally submitted. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not objecting to it. I'm just saying that that I think that this assertion that they'll just do whatever you want is wrong. And I'll, I'll, I mean, playtesting in general, if I can go off on a tangent, because who can stop me? Um, and I haven't really tried this, but I, I, I think the playtesting, like, when we playtest scenarios, we usually run it once, take some feedback, and incorporate it. But I, you probably get, like, that's really not great, because one, you as a runner have all these quirks and, and things, and, and your group does. So I, I imagine if you, like, truly wanted to playtest a scenario, you'd need to, one, run it multiple times, but also have other people run it multiple times. And, and I guess I guess we did that with, with uh, once or twice, but rarely with shotgun scenarios do any of us go to that le- that level. But I bet you'd get much better feedback if you had if somebody ran if you know if five people ran Saturnalia for two different groups each and you had you know ten iterations of it you'd get a probably really solid feedback as was it just running it once. I don't think you have that much time to do that with the no the no you definitely not for shotgun sure. contest. I, I'm I had saying this vision of uh, of using like a shadow broker to anonymously find someone to run your scenario contest. Well, that's a cool you know, idea. Like like find a find a person or two who you can. Um, you know, say, hey, this is my scenario. I need to find someone to run it for you or for me. And then they go out and, and find it, you know? And then they're like, okay, they did it. Here's what the feedback was. And you're like, excellent. Well, now <laughs> nobody knows it was me. Because that's, that's the funnest part about the shotgun contest to me is, is maintaining the anonymity. I like trying to guess who wrote what because, you know, everybody's got distinctive styles. And I, I think, uh, Melon, you actually tried to trick a couple of people this year by changing your font and, and other things, but they still they still found you. Uh, they found one out of the three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to talk more about Saturnalia, we want to segue uh, that. Yeah, if you have more thoughts, yeah. I mean, um, I'm solid, but we can... I, I thought this was probably the spookiest scenario uh, in the list, and that was one of the reasons why I liked it, because it was genuinely spooky, and I, I think a lot of other people echoed that sentiment uh, when we were discussing it. Like some, something about the red, it kind of reminds me of that Stranger Things sort of thing. Yeah, sorry, Kevin, I'm having to take some breaths here. I'm <laughs> uh, com- coming down from the Rona here. 
yeah, I mean, I mean, I like that it's it's if you had a group of agents that were like super cautious, then the investigation would be like like a nice slow burn as they slowly see the red and then start to investigate and like poke through it. But also, if you if you had a bunch of melon breads who were like, oh, a red door where I see something interesting, I'm going through that door, you know, or a bunch of uh, you know toms that also works. Like neither playstyle really breaks it, and you're able to kind of work either one, which which I thought was neat. You've got pace control in it with the guy who's still out there sacrificing people at the same time. Yeah. Because right. if you want to speed things up, just throw a couple of first responders into the hole. <laughs> just, just click clip that one out of context. <laughs> Get in the hole! Jake, I knew you hated firefighters, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Actually, they're exempt from this because you said first responders, not second Ooh, responders. Ouch. <laughs> Harsh. Just want to remind everybody that um, I asked a firefighter to save a cat that was stuck on a awning, and they wouldn't do it. So I said, "Fine, is give me your ladder." Of which there is video evidence. Yes. You said fine. You waited thirty minutes for backup, and then you went in, <laughs> shot the cat. Anyway. No, no, I shot the cat. No, I, <laughs> I I climbed the fucking ten foot ladder, got the cat down, and took it to the shelter myself because what the hell, man? In cats today. A cat's today. Jake apprehended a cat burglar. <laughs> what, uh, you want to, uh, let's, let's talk about the other two male scenarios. Last thought. We're... Last thought. Yeah, 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 last yeah. Thought. Um, I have often told people that when you're writing a shotgun scenario, um, you should grab them in like the first, like the first sentence or with, with a snappy tagline. Um, Saturnalia has a really snappy tagline. Giant skeleton in the rubble instantly grabs my attention. Yeah, and Will, this was not directly, but I was sort of thinking about your one with the terror about the giant skeleton. Oh yeah, yeah, because I thought that was cool. And if I recall correctly, that deal, that was a deal you included just because it was in um, one of the the reports from from the Inuit that initially found the ship before it like went yeah, under the they, ice. They said there they said there was a giant in the ship's galley. And realistically, that we 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 have to assume that. You know, if we're with, with our like skepticism hat on, that that was just a large man. So there's a huge guy for you. But it also like is a cool detail and was cool when it was in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool detail. Uh, I know you said last thought, but I also have a last thought. But I know. Oh yeah, I have more. Too. So uh, we'll just talk, <laughs> talking about your the tagline. It also tells me I can guess this scenario is probably not like a like Delta Green on Delta Green like manhunt and it's probably not like a um like a you know like a, like a, a bug hunt style like against like marsh technologies or like you know what I mean like it, it might be but like my when i read like giant scale in the rubble my guess is like agents versus a thing uh and that's come correct but i'm but if i'm, if I'm trying to scan the tracking center i was like okay i want another i don't want another they just fought the green five times in a row i don't need another one of those another one of those okay let's check this one out so i think it does a good job of, of grabbing folks by the tagline there's some pros in the tagline. Um, my last comment on it, I promise. Uh, I like the funny Call of Cthulhu stat blocks that you had for it. You want Because I know what you mean by this, but do you want to explain to its what Its skills what are outrun you in the open 75%, spot you skulking in the dark 50%. And that's just what a bunch of... Uh, I think the NPCs in older Call of Cthulhu scenarios had skills like that. I, I am a big fan of, of stat blocks with skills like that because they are descriptive and they tell you how the NPC acts yeah, and what exactly. it prefers to Although, do. Although, honestly, all you have to do is like put a bunch of, of debris down then you're not in the open and then they can't outrun you. I mean, that's 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 good. Well well done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Checkmate, Saturn. Yeah, take that, Saturn. 
I'm 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 just I'm sad that Sarah doesn't have a consumer's child skill. He doesn't have any kids yet. What if what if I was to assemble like a like a couple hundred thousand square foot tent over the space? Now the entire space is not in the open. Now he's, he he cannot chase me. Melon didn't Problem you purposefully solved. design him to not be lethal. So I had read a, a lovely scenario called "The Nightmare Returns." I think the nightmare is here, and and this scenario was really good. And the one thing I felt was that could have improved it is that the creature in that has an insta kill ability that I felt would have been better served by the monster biting off a limb because there's actually a specific description of a character almost getting a limb bitten off by it. And I thought, oh, that's way, way cooler because it's honestly a lot scarier to the players to get the character dismembered than to just get instantly killed. Because if you get instantly killed, whatever, you make another guy. But if you get dismembered, now you're playing a character who's missing an arm. And that was why I decided to do that with Saturn. The thing I'll say is that Nightmare, uh, based on the reviews it got, and based on the reviews I got, both the scenarios also have the same flaw, which is that the trail of information leading to the actual solution is pretty slim. One of the criticisms that I got repeatedly, enough that I think it is an actual problem with Saturnalia, is that people said there's only two clues pointing to the, the ending. I would say there's actually four, but the fact that people only read two of them means that, realistically, the people playing the game are probably not going to find any. Because if it, because if if I write four and someone reading the scenario sees two, then someone who's actually playing it and not having the information written in front of them is going to see zero. Yeah, agreed. Because you can and, and it's it's like what what points to the to the whole whether it's the the um, the the uh, cell phone or flash drive that the the dead person events has. There is the observation that there's a plug that needs to go into the hole that you can get by examining the hole. There is the woman who initially removed it who feels very guilty, and you can just talk to her and she'll tell you. Or finally, there is going on the upper floors and actually seeing the location of the plug illuminated in the blizzard. So there's four, but realistically only two of those are actually explicitly described as this is how you find the objective. So that's cutting in half already, and then there's cut cut it in half again, or just drop it to zero, based on the fact that what if they just don't see those things when they play the game? Oh, I know that we spent 20 minutes on Saturnalia <laughs> and several tangents. Uh, well, we talked briefly about uh, Behold the Nightmare, which is the other one in there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, well, so which other ones did you write, Melon? Uh, so I wrote one called Bugs, Bugs, Bugs. Bugs, Bugs, Bugs is based very strongly on the... X-Files episode Folly Ado, which is one of my favorite episodes, even though the monster looks like shit. Which one is that? It's the one where the guy is a telemarketer, and he sees that his boss is an insect and has turned all his coworkers into zombies, and he does a workplace shooting. And then the bug decides to bully Mulder instead, and then nobody can see the bug except at the very end where Scully can see it. And I think maybe Skinner, too. I don't remember if Skinner's even in this one. Skinner's the boss, right? The The bald guy? Yeah, yeah, that's Skinner. And he, he liked, just like how Scully becomes less skeptical of the conspiracy over time, he also kind of gets pulled into it. But anyways, this is a one-one-off. It's not involving the Majestic 12 or any of the Shadow Government. And it was one of my favorite episodes, even though the monster looks like shit when it's on screen. Um, the other thing that this is based on is a... I forget which... I forget the title, but I want to say it's in the Imago sequence collection a story by Lard Baron about an assassin bug disguised as a person that hunts the protagonist. 
this scenario I wrote is the only one of the three that's playtested. And it was playtested by Top Hat, who did a really great job, and all the suggestions are his. And I put them there because I wanted to credit him for his work, and also because I didn't feel like going and like actually integrating it into all the descriptive text of the scenario. But essentially, this, this module, you are Delta Green agents, and you have to find another Delta Green agent. Wow, very original. And, because I know Kevin, you were just talking about that. And he, it turned out, picked a fight with a bug cult, and now... You are you are trying to track him down, and the bug cult's fucking with you. And basically, due to a clever spell, they can cause you to see humans as bugs and bugs as humans. So, the first they try to bait you into just shooting someone in a crowded mall by making them look like a giant insect. And then their second trick is they make the, they make all of themselves look like giant insects, and then they try to stab you with knives because they're counting on you. They're <laughs> yeah. counting on you not not wanting to to make the same mistake twice. And just shoot a random person. Yeah, it's a good double fake out there. And then the last trick is that the bug itself, the the only actual giant bug, just appears as a normal man. It appears as the as the guy that you are trying to rescue when you finally like find him. Triple, no way. And this, the one thing that I got a lot of complaints about for this one is people were upset that only one player had to look at the postcard in order to infect the whole group with with bug madness. And my response to that was that having run scenarios where certain people were subject to hallucinations and certain people weren't, it's awful because you essentially have to just constantly describe and deconflict like who's seeing what. Like, oh, I run up the stairs. You don't see the stairs. What do I see? Oh, you see a monster. I shoot the monster. And then the other guy's like, well, I also shoot it. No, you see the stairs. And it just goes on like that for hours. And the thing that what I should have done is just had the scenario start with the agents all looking at the postcard. So that the decision is because if there's something that's not a real decision, don't make it a decision. Just just start the scenario there. Yeah, that's fair. You could have saved some word count and sprinkled some other stuff in too that way. I was thinking you could also make it like a like it could be one of, it could be one of those uh, greeting cards we open up and it makes a noise, like it makes a bug noise. Oh, that'd be really cool because they all yeah. hear it. Yeah. And it's like I didn't look at it. Yeah, but you heard it. If you wanted to keep that's that good. like an agent forces a singing it to happen. a singing birthday card, but it makes a little like. Um, like I want to say that when noise noises. Yeah, like... they they call it uh, I think stridulation when they rub their yeah, legs yeah, together exactly. and like a locust noise. Those of you Latin heads will recognize the stridule, the um, the scraper that's run along the body to remove oil at the public baths. But on an insect, it refers to um, like I think a part of their leg that they rub together to make a horrible little bug sound. So so that I mean again not 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 a not a huge like game-breaking bug with that bug. <laughs> but that would be a way to solve that problem. There are a lot know, of all my code flaws in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, so this, this one I think was also pretty well-received. So like one of the things I like about shotgun scenarios is, is I want to be able to drop them into my game for, for whatever reason. So if I had, like, say I was playing with you guys and say Jake's character retired, and I needed, like, a kind of a quick like, bottle episode, I could be like, okay, hey, like, you fought, like Jake's character who's retired, like, got into this problem, go rescue him. And that gives a... It gives one of the other players a reason to like actually investigate Gary. Like, why did you know why did Jake character do this and find all this stuff? But it also gives you a way to like, okay, I got to pad a couple sections out with this while I work on something else or whatever. So I, that's why that's one that's one of the reasons I think it's a good like it it fits in, in my narrow definition of shotgun scenario. So like portability is high on your re- reason yeah, for yeah. voting. Yeah, like you didn't something. say oh, this happens at the Mall of America and only there, like because the roller coaster is important. It's like well, I can't use this in Miami. Like I can use this anywhere. It, yeah, very portable. 
and I guess in theory you could have Gary alive, like a- after they, um, after they get the fake bug, he could be somewhere else in the room or something. If you wanted his character to survive or something. Uh, anything else on bugs, 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 bugs? I enjoyed writing this one, and thank you to Top Hat for playtesting it and coming up with a lot of cool improvements that were things that in another lifetime I would have suggested myself, like all the ways to get clues and grind unnatural and stuff from different things in the scenario. I will say that for someone who didn't submit their own scenario, he's probably credited the most in this in this set of scenarios. <laughs> oh yeah, him and, him and probably British as well. Yes. When, when I was talking about finding a shadow broker earlier, I just meant run it through Top Hat. Both of them did a great job. Thank you to both of yeah. them for running playtests, because I honestly think that running the playtest is often more work than running the scenario itself. So good job. What's next? Yeah, tell, tell us about your last one. Then, then, then let's jump to the ones Jake wrote, and then let's pick the other ones up that we like. Yeah. So this last one is Keep on the Sunny Side, and it's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But It's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But you are three deep ones who escaped from a concentration camp, and <laughs> you think that you're trying to um, go to a place to escape, but actually it's because one of the deep ones is what wants to stop his wife from getting remarried, and you have some adventures, and then you encounter the the um, basi- basically like a mirror version of, of, your, of yourselves, who's also escaped from like the the deep one women concentration camp. And then there's a couple of three different things that can happen and the scenario ends right there. People very quickly figured out this one was mine, even though I disguised it as a as a Jake disguised as a dole because <laughs> because it has um sequential hermaphroditism, which is a trait that I pretty much always give deep ones because I think it's yeah. it's super fun. And so that one is is that one made it pretty obvious. This scenario was was one that I originally started work on for Night at the Opera contest and threw in the trash because I really didn't want to write like a whole like twenty encounter table of different things that could happen because I was just really not enjoying it. But with a, with this format, I was able to just only write the shit that I was actually interested in writing. And this one also didn't get playtested, I assume, or you or you? Oh uh, yeah, I didn't playtest this. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, 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 ask, I don't. I don't ask that as a slight against the address. No, it's, I mean, I said. Yeah. I said earlier that I only played this in one of them, and I already described the one I played. Yeah. So true. yeah, it's the thing is, this is my second scenario that I've written based on a brother where art thou. The first, pretty obviously, is Big Rock Candy Mountain, which is a, which is one of those ones that I really liked, but um, I don't think I've ever heard anyone else talk about. For for me, it was fun to compare the characters in your scenario to the characters in the movie like seeing the the cyclops uh john goodman as a kenyan is a fun visual thing in my head and are you gonna uh, do like a whole like you're gonna write like three or four more brother scenarios and you have like a whole like book of our brother where are those scenarios uh no because basically there are two encounters that were cut from this because i didn't feel like writing them and because they were just going to be very awkward to write around which is that the finding the guy who could play the guitar, uh, Tommy Johnson, and then like the whole thing where he's um, he's black, so like the the KKK tries to lynch him, or the other one being the encounter with the bandit, the the bank robber with the machine gun who shoots up all the cattle. Uh, Babyface Nelson. His name is George Nelson, not uh, Babyface. No, it's definitely Babyface. 
What's he going to do? Cry about it? <laughs> the thing is, is that both of those would make great backup characters, but there's just a couple of things. It's difficult to, like, once you... Because if they get introduced as an NPC, it's very difficult for them to, like, get discarded. And then also, like, like they're going to be with the group the whole time, and then having a, having a helper NPC follow the players around, they just always end up getting forgotten. It's, oh, he's also here. Those, they'd be good as backup characters. The other thing is that if you add in... Tommy Johnson, you have to add in the uh, the the radio studio, and then if you add in other oh, the music studio, and then if you add in um, George Nelson, you have to add in a bank robbery, and both of those would have taken us over word count. Ah, sure. But I had I had like a pretty good implementation of Tommy Johnson, which is that um, he just got the ability to whenever he plays the guitar, it triggers uh, temp insanity, and everyone who hears it. And that would be a really good crowd control ability, because if like a lynch mob appears, he can just make them attack each other. And he got it from I was gonna I was gonna say that he got it from uh uh you know, the dark man at the crossroads who didn't even ask him for anything in return. He was like, Do I have to, you know, bargain my it was gonna be, was gonna be like the part in um in Metalocalypse where they're like negotiating with the devil for blues fame. He's like, Yeah, we're Death Clock, we're kinda famous already. <laughs> I noticed that. I'll give you this um, coupon for a uh, topic, and you get two percent of the back end of your soul. There were no sirens in this one. Those no are the sirens. wives. Oh, they are. Yeah, the three. Oh, ladies the player the characters. No, the no? the the, the, the oh, player sorry. characters are the protagonists. The three ladies at the end are the sirens. Oh, Eugene Adromash. Andromache. Sindarin. Andromache. Oh, right, it's Greek. Because they're named after the Trojan women. Right. But the. Uh, but it's it's not quite one to one because the joke is that one of the one of the the um, the player characters, one of the the, the trio, is has um, undergone the deep one sex switch as a result of um, like environmental pressures and is now a lady. And then one of the the guy the guy's wife has has all the, who who he thinks is getting remarried has also undergone the Deep One switch, sex switch and is now a man, and has absolutely no interest in him, because he just escaped from prison with, with a bunch of new wives. That is pretty good. Uh, it's an inversion of the story, and also of the Odyssey. But, uh, no, I just wanted to say that I was disappointed that there wasn't an option to turn one of the player characters into a horny toad. Well, that's what happens if you hit zero sanity. Okay. I just dis- I decided that deep ones have a sand score like a normal person, but they just transform when they hit zero. Gotcha. Into a frog, or not a frog, but like into a a, a frog person, like a normal deep one. Uh, all right. What about the ones that uh, Jake wrote? I also wrote three. Um. Well. Um. I guess let's start with my favorite one. Um. Even though it's probably not the one that most people liked. Uh. I wrote signs following. Um, I attempted to conceal that it was mine by dropping the Operation uh, opener title. Um, it a, is... a signs following is is a snake church, right? Yeah, yeah. It's usually like uh, the last two words in like the really long name of like a Pentecostal church. It'd be like the Holy Sepulchre of Antioch with signs following or something like that. I, I, I thought it was what you say following the sixth sense if you're doing an M Night Shyamalan marathon. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, um, 
like a couple of years ago when I was on vacation, uh, we went, me and my wife, we went to a, uh, a historical mine and you got to go down in it and it was really cool. Um, and then, uh, there have been a lot of people talking about the Battle of Blair Mountain uh, online. I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts about it or whatever, and I was like, okay, I want a, I want a scenario about this. And originally it was going to be like a P-Division scenario set in like the 30s. But then I learned about a real-life uh, strike that was taking place here in Alabama. And I just kind of uh, Delta Greenified it, threw in a couple of Mythos factions and made them at war with each other with foot soldiers in between. Uh, at the core of it, there is a Chthonian egg that has been separated from its Chthonian family, and there is a serpent person who wants to get at that egg because it would be a good uh, strike at them in their eons old lore. And both of these factions have human intermediaries uh, acting. Uh, both of the factions are trying to get control of the mine that is currently shut down. Uh, because they both want to dig and get to the egg one way or another. I like this scenario. I think the main thing about it that I have trouble with is the same thing that I ha that I say about any scenario where it's two Mythos creatures fighting each other. Like the official Delta Green scenario, Holy War, from one of the latter two splats for the original game. The setup is really cool. I just struggle to see where the players fit into it. How could they learn about the conflict and what would they do if they had that information? Because the idea is to like prevent a disaster with the Chthonians coming back to get the egg. Is that that's my understanding? Um, it's one of the outcomes, yeah. I so I think sometimes people forget that Delta Green, if you can't control the mythos, you have to obfuscate its existence. So part of damage control there would be trying to write off the earthquakes as like a natural thing or uh honestly just making the big worms go away so that could be a possible outcome it you know ob obfuscation uh hiding hiding concealing the fact that the unnatural exists is one of delta green's missions that i think people forget about sometimes jake you, you know how you, you didn't put your normal like header but you know how it was obvious this was you uh how's that you included a clock Oh fuck! You're right. No, no, that is that is like another way that people people clocked me on this one. Oh uh, yeah, you even linked to blades as, as a reference for clocks. Yes. So you yes, should because done, I didn't want to use words somewhere else that wasn't blades. Well, so, there's oh, nowhere else to link. It's the authority on clocks. If you ask nah, me, someone else must have the clock thing. No, you should have linked to some other Delta Green scenario that wasn't written by you. That's like, oh, here's a progress clock. Yeah. And oh, then been like, oh yeah, yeah, I learned it from this guy. He's the one who invented it. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is the real author. <laughs> Um, my, my own criticism of this is that it is, the scope is too grand for a shotgun scenario. That is always a problem that I have is that I want to cram more stuff into a shotgun than I should. Do you think this would be almost impossible to run in a session? It would take multiple positions. Oh, definitely. Too much going on? I think it would take at least two sessions. Yeah. And it, uh, it'd probably get points down or points off of you because it's not portable it's very specific about it is very Alabama specific, yeah. coal mine strike yeah which might be another way that people uh figured out it was mine it's in alabama because it's set in alabama yeah jake doesn't recognize any other boundaries yeah only one well, that's state that's not true i i had another scenario that Colorado i submitted Alaska. that was in tennessee so any, or any other thoughts on signs following I liked it. I think I think you said it was your least well received one, but it's my favorite of the ones that you wrote. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, what about uh, 
fruit dust. Okay, so uh, I'll admit this one. I was just trying to clean out my in progress writing folder. <laughs> Sometimes that's uh, okay with shotguns, you know. This was I wanted to get it out of my head and onto paper and be done with it. Um, so this was a holdover from the mundane or new contest that I ran a while back. Uh, this one is a mundane scenario. Uh, it is designed to trick players into thinking that ghouls are involved, but they are in fact not involved. Uh, I learned about a, uh, a position in, in some Texas counties called the Justice of the Peace, who acts as both a magistrate and as a coroner, uh, and they are not required to have any specific medical knowledge uh, related to death or anything like that. So basically it's just an elected like coroner. Uh, and I said, well, you know, uh, what if I made this dude, my grandpa, but evil. And that was, that, that was, that was it. <laughs> let's, let's unpack that one real quick. Okay. Yeah, sure. He's got dementia. He is absolutely obsessed with his specific flavor of Christianity, which is Armstrongism, which is that one day the dead will rise again and be judged a second time by God, uh, for their actions that they did the second time around. That's just Judaism. <laughs> I, I'm like that's not, how that's uh, how it works well in their first the apocalypse. The, I'm not de well read the on dead that. rise from their grave, then all the nations of the earth acknowledge the wrongs they did against Israel, and everyone's happy and everyone's friends. Right. Which, the but, study um, of the Torah becomes the study a, of the heart. What if you're a bad person and then you rise? Well, from then your you grave? you acknowledge the no, wrongs no, 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 that you no, did to the people if, of Israel. You're a bad person, rise in your grave, but then you do a bunch of good stuff. Can you like wipe out the bad stuff by being like a good undead person? Yes, that's uh, one of the things in in this specific flavor. <laughs> a bunch of ghouls like working at food pantries and like, like <laughs> helping people find like shelter and stuff. The, hum the homeless man, he's yeah. like walking old ladies across the street and not eating them. <laughs> um, so uh, in this one, it's kind of uh, also a look at like some personal experiences of mine with gang warfare. Uh, a lot of gangs will attempt to hide the bodies of their fallen comrades so that uh, it's just this ultimate adherence to like the code of silence on the streets uh so in this one uh both the uh gangs and factions here uh, i believe i made them like non-specific ms-13 and blood gangs but they they both work out in agreement with this crazy justice of the peace who just hides the bodies on his big ranch because one day he thinks that he's going to revive them from the dead to be judged a second time by God. Because, again, he's demented. Okay, I, I must have missed it because I wasn't 100% on how he was disappearing the bodies. I thought it was some wire shit where he was putting them in vacants. No, no, the gangs are bringing him to him and he has a backhoe and he digs holes in the big desert okay. plot that he owns. I, I think I mentioned heavy machinery in it, but I, I guess maybe I should make that more enough. clear. No, it's my fault. So, again, it's designed to trick uh, agents into thinking that it's uh, ghouls because, you know, bodies in graves and uh, one even coming back from the dead, which was a fluke. Like, he, he buried someone alive and then they came out of the thing and they were like, what the fuck, I'm not dead. And he's like, a miracle, because he's, <laughs> he's, he's got dementia. And, and then the reputation of him as like a Lazarus type uh, spreads among the streets. Anyways, it, I thought it was fun. Uh, again, this was one I, I didn't playtest. Uh, nobody playtested it. So I might have been able to find some flaws and, and work through it. But I thought it was just kind of a fun one. I think that it's got a ton of introduction that has a lot of detail. 
but what's missing from the introduction is, like, not only why does Delta Green care, but why do the players care? Because it's a lot of intro, but there's not necessarily a really good hook. So let me let me put it in my own words why I think Delta Green would care. They would they would show up thinking that it's not ghouls or thinking that it is ghouls, but then when they find out that it's not, they find that the center of the plot is an elected man who is suffering from a mental illness and helping out gangs to cover up their crimes. So I think okay, but that would that's be like an effective every director hook. of every federal law enforcement agency. Yeah, I think it would be an effective hook for any Fed type alphabet soup character because they get to put a little feather in their hat by, you know, uh, making something right and maybe even get like a bonus or uh, promotion or good boy points at like work or whatever. Second. It's it's like it's like if they if they solve this case then it's like public but they can unlike Delta Green Ops where they have to be like nope it was just an earthquake. They can be like right. oh, we got yeah, they can get good boy helping. points. Yeah. yeah. And also like something for them to be able to use later on as an explanation for the unnatural or whatever. Here's here's my question. Oh, it's Kevin, you have one. Yeah, sorry. You know how this would be good, right? If you have an agent who who gets into that like try, is going to get fired loop, his boss is like, all right, look, while you're on like suspension or while you're while we're investigating you, go handle this like bullshit. Like, uh, you know, Lieutenant Haverty has this like a punishment. Yeah, assignment. like like go check the assignment out, and then if and then when you if you if and then the character does it, if they do really well, they can get their like get get their job back in like good standing. So that could be a fun way to use it. Here's my question. So we know that um, police will go easy on each other because there's the the code of like you know brotherhood and shit. Police will all uh, and um, district attorneys will also go easy on each other because they have to work together. Like the DA is is reluctant to like actually go and seriously prosecute police misconduct because those, these are people they have to work with and they don't want to break the working relationship. My question is, if you are a federal law enforcement guy and you like loudly and publicly fuck up a judge do the other judges turn on you because do the do the judges also feel that you have have stabbed them in the back that's a good question uh i don't know how it works in real life but in game terms you could maybe make that into some sort of a mechanic and just roll and see how it goes because that's something that as a federal guy i would be worried about because i'm wondering if it works the same way as all other like I think at the end of the day, this is like gross misconduct. It's very obvious, loud misconduct. It's it's going to be too much to cover up. It's too much. Yeah, I think that uh, exposing this guy would would get them more good points than it would gain them negative favor. Because it's it's blatant and it's obvious and it's an embarrassment that the other people didn't pick up on it. You think it's like the... um, the, uh, It's like Hamsterdam. I was going to say like the um, like the Shankill Butcher, a guy who was so repulsive that he was sold out by his own guys. Yeah, I think I think it probably sways so far in that direction that it, it's a net positive for anybody who uh, in- exposes this guy. But, uh, you know, it was fun to write. Um, and again, I just wanted to get it out of my folder. So I'm apologizing. Oh, no, for I, I did the same it. thing with that's, with that's what this is for. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Will, you were you've been you've been critical of people just writing normal scenarios and then chopping them down to fit in shotgun scenario dumb. But I almost feel like this is the reverse of that, of taking a product that was never going to get finished in the, in a full scenario state anyways, and just bringing it out as an abbreviated version. Uh, Is it? Yes, I think it is because 
I think the the beauty of the shotgun scenario contest is that it's permission to not write the shit that you don't want to write. I think that if you have a scenario that it's never going to be finished because you've either overscoped yourself or there's just a bunch of boring stuff that you can't bring yourself to put pen to paper, the shotgun scenario contest is an excuse to strip out everything that doesn't work and just go with the core idea. I mean, that sounds good to me. I mean, I think if I if I had like people control over people's brains, the ideal shotgun scenario contest, like you would, like you would, when you started writing, you, you like you wouldn't. It'd be on original ideas only, but like I have no way to enforce that. You mean like, like original ideas like that were that were created after the contest was was announced? Yeah. So like like you can't even think about the scenario until the day. Kevin, I've already started writing. Yeah, so I mean, twenty twenty three like, entry, and you that's can't unrealistic, stop me. But I'm saying like in the ideal like golden. Same with like anonymity. Like anonymity is like the gold standard, but like I can't stop people, nor will I. I understand that, and to some extent, I agree with it. That that yeah, ideally, I guess then it then it would just be a pure contest of who can write the coolest scenario starting now in fifteen hundred words or less. Yeah. Um, to some extent, that was what I was trying to reproduce when I did the alphabet thing, right? Because nobody knew what their word was going to be yeah, until yeah, true, the true. start time. So you couldn't. I mean, I guess, I guess you could like pre-write a scenario for every word, every letter of the alphabet, but that was that was impractical. And you can't stop people if they if they've had an idea and they're like, oh crap, this fits my word. Like that would be against the spirit, but like you can't stop it. Yeah. Even if you could stop someone from consciously doing that. There's no way to know whether or not this new idea that you've just had and never thought of before <laughs> yeah, right. actually is an old idea that you had before and just never really thought it all the way through. I actually have 1,500 words in my brain right now that put I can spout off in... kind of thought prison. Yeah, I have I have only 1,500 words in my brain. That's just like yes. that's the character limit. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's do a shotgun scenario where they're designing this like horrifying mental thought prison that people go into to write shotgun scenarios that are yes. only the original ideas. What, okay, what do we call it? What do we call it? Um... Call the Delta Green Shotgun Scenario Contest a submission for the Delta Green Shotgun oh, Scenario no, Contest. No, 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 no. We call the name of the scenario is the Chinese Room. Okay. Wasn't there already one of those written this year? Uh, God damn it! I just proved my own point. <laughs> All right. No, anything no, else on, it was on, called uh, Green Mountain, and it takes place in China, and I didn't really like it that much. Anything else on Fruit Dust? Uh, that's it for me. Tell us about Tourist Trap. Okay, this was, I think, the most fun one that I submitted, and I got um, a fair amount of positive feedback on it, um, saying that people enjoyed it, and it felt like an X-Files episode, and I, I, I take delight in that. It does feel like an X-Files episode. Um, so I was reading the blurb in the contest list, and I thought, that sounds like an X-Files episode. Uh, yeah, so, uh, hold on, what is the blurb? Uh, the blurb is, in a small, sleepy Tennessee River Valley town, a brood of vampires is content to run the town while preying on residents of a rehab center. So, I, I, um... I, don't, I mean, look, I don't know, vampires, deep ones, hard pass. I, that was, that was <laughs> the worst criticism that I've ever received about a Listen, scenario. I, whoever, whoever left that criticism, I hope you hear this, it's like, that was, that is awful criticism it is yeah, not yeah, let's helpful just, let's just take value. let's just take a quick a quick sidebar on criticism of shotgun scenarios okay the idea is that you're giving criticism you're giving feedback the feedback form is not a venue in which to dunk on the scenario that you hate and throw shade okay anybody who did that shame on you like if you're gonna dunk you have to follow up the dunk with good advice like, hey, deep ones are, are more played out. You know, vampires and deep ones are more played out than shotgun scenario contests. Hey, that's here's not a dunk, ten though. things that's I feedback. would change. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> if a dunk you're gonna is put a dunk in there, lame. Yeah. Yeah. I've no, removed do that. three or four um, entries from my feedback form because I could not think of anything constructive to say, and I was like, I need to. Yeah, if I if I offer criticism, it has to be like, here's what you could have done better. I can't just say I hate this throw in the trash. Yeah, I, you know, I I have thick skin. It's it's not gonna bother me for someone to be like, ooh, vampires and deep ones vomit noises. Like, okay, <laughs> fine. That that's a personal preference. That's not a feedback. Yeah, it that's doesn't an, help you make doesn't help Jake opinion. make the scenario better. Even something like, oh, I don't care for this particular element, or I didn't find this very interesting. That's still useful feedback. Yeah, or I'm really tired of you know game of, of Delta Green versus Delta Green scenarios. I mean, oh, also okay. like there's a degree of meanness to it. Like, it's yeah, the just, way it was written. It's, the yeah, way if you just go like, oh, mean. into the trash it goes. No, don't do that. That's like, bad. don't tell me you didn't read it. Like, that's not feedback. Don't read it. <laughs> Anyways, not throwing shit. Sorry. Yeah, all right. So, t- talk to us about uh, this so so the the, the plot plot summary of this one is that Delta Green agents are hot on the trail of a runaway deep one. Uh, they stumble into this town. Uh, the handler give, is given ways to make them be stranded there overnight. And there are vampires and um, guys who left the rehab center against medical advice. So they're kind of strung out. And uh, it's just a big, I wouldn't call it a big sandbox. It's more like a little sandbox. A big sandbox is called a desert, Jake. <laughs> Uh, the big sandbox is the jumbo-sized uh, kitty litter tray we have for my cats. I mean, like this, this I feels like a scenario. In there. This feels like a scenario where, like, uh, again, not, I mean, not, not I mean, you can make it more portable, but not using Tennessee. But, um, like, sure, you know, they, yeah, that's valid. It's like it's like in between. They're traveling from you know, they're driving from Texas to California. They stop, you know, they stop at this late night diner to get some stuff. And, like, yeah. While they're on the diner, like things get. They start to notice shit. It's like their, their car gets stolen and they're stuck there. That's, yeah, that's the it would point. just be getting fun them to like... stranded is probably the most important part of this scenario. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The issue is that the deep one chase thing is a very good just explanation of how the scenario was initiated. That doesn't waste a lot of time on the players wandering around before they get to the town, and then waste additional time when one of the players is like, well, I'm going to stay in the car while everyone else goes to investigate. No, okay, great, you got everyone in the town. Main issue I have with it is that that's all that's all word count on Deep One stuff that could have been spent on more town NPCs, which are the best part of the scenario. Yeah, yeah, you, you could have you you just said the agents try, get, arrive at this town and get stranded, like, and probably um, dump so- the one. I I got a lot of people that told me like why did you put a deep one in this? It could have been anything else, and I I just have to disagree because I think I actually saved words in my word count by going you're assigned to Operation Somersault, you're trailing a deep one, because most people that run the game know what a deep one is. Uh, they can look up what Operation Somersault is and know that it's like an anti deep one uh, division in the program or whatever. Um, and it's it's a pretty fast way to get people to engage with it as an investigation because you have to overturn rocks and ask around and say, hey, have you seen a funny stranger in town lately? And it, it's just a way to make people engage with the scenario a little bit quicker, I think. Right. It's it's a shorthand for, for setup and preamble. Yeah, a, um, yeah. It works. And also, I, uh, I had a lot of struggle this year both in writing my scenarios and in reading everybody else's and seeing that there are a lot of really cliche hooks <laughs> in, in Delta, Delta Green, Green scenarios. Good. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of cliche hooks. It's, it's either uh, a friendly's calling for help. We can't make contact with a friendly. 
the green box is being disturbed. Take this item to a green box. Um, a friendly is calling for help, but it's got, from a green box, but it's, but it's gone dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's combine like them all. A lot, like there, there's a set number of of hooks that I would consider cliche, and I'm I'm certainly guilty of using them before. But I think that as far as hooks go, you're hot on the trail of a deep one is is a more interesting hook than saying hey, we have a friendly who's reporting in that there's vampires in this town. Because, A, that's, like, too direct. It kind of removes part of the the surprise or the mystery in this one, you know? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, you're, I, don't, I don't have anything... I don't think you're wrong in this case. I, I just wouldn't... I mean, I just wouldn't... I wouldn't even... I, w- I would go even simpler and just be like, you, you know, they're, they're, driving, they're driving through the town for whatever reason. Like, you're driving to, to another city and you get stuck here. Sure, but then that removes the investigative element and it requires players to engage with the elements of the town themselves instead of being like, well, I order pie at the diner and then go to a hotel and, and stay there for the night. It it Being engaged with the scenario is kind of a requirement on this one. Yeah, I'm saying like they're engaged because they're stuck there and because they start, you know, they, they notice something, something's off. They're, 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 their car gets stolen or Garrett Dixon thinks they're cops and it's like, you gotta help me or, you know, something would happen. Like, sure, like, sure. If, like, yeah, yeah, there, there are enough I, I strings that, for you to pull in it. But player, I players think are that... going to keep trying to chase the deep one, and they can't. Like, you can't find the deep one. And so, uh, I I want to say that a shotgun text, as presented, is there for you as the handler. When you run the game, you're free to do oh, yeah, anything you want to do with it. Once you start running it, you could have him strung up upside down from a tree with all the blood drained out of his gills. Uh, you could completely remove from the deep one from the scenario if you wanted to. And then that's a, a compelling enough hook for you right there. Oh shit, something killed a deep one. What's stronger than a deep one? You could uh, you could do whatever you want to do with it. But I, I disagree with the people who told me deep ones and vampires don't mix. Because I think that it's interesting and that they can it's proof that they mix right here. It's a scenario. It's called Tourist yeah. Trap. Yeah, and it's a fun one. Um, also, uh, I like to write kind of themes into my scenarios. And uh, this one's theme is like addiction. And, you know, you have the obvious thing that vampires are addicted to blood. And then the rehab residents are addicted to heroin or fentanyl are, or whatever. Are, are any of the rehab patients vampires? Uh, no. Uh, sure. But they could. Could be uh, because yeah, actually put that in there. Uh, make up vampires at your leisure is actually in the text, if, and I if, spent if words on vamp- that. So. If a vampire eats a guy who's like high out of his mind, does does the vampire get high? It could be. Uh, you're always chasing after that first hit. Uh, but the 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 theme you know about addiction is that a lot of people treat addicts as less than human. In this scenario, the sheriff who runs this town basically gives the vampires free reign he's like hey if they if they leave that rehab center fuck them up um which is also true in real life for non-vampires but um deep ones i think are also treated as less than human in the delta green canon so i thought that was a nice you know comparison or allegory or whatever literary term fits here so anyways, uh, that's me defending my scenario. I think it's fun, and I had fun writing it. It's based on a comic book that I liked called Atlantis Wasn't Built for Taurus, and I'd recommend that if you like this scenario, you should go check that comic book out. Weird stuff happening in small-town America is a surprisingly underused trope, considering that's like half the episodes of the X-Files. So yeah, I, I approve. <laughs> I was going to say, it's pretty common in Delta Green. Like, it's uh, Convergence. Okay, uh, maybe. But, and Puppet um... Show Shadow Plays. 
Okay. Name some shotgun scenarios that do weird stuff in small town America. Uh, Dream Merchants. All of mine. Uh, yeah, all of Jake's. <laughs> Operation Tourist, right? <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Weigh those against the other shotgun scenario entries, and uh, I think you you'll find Boston, that Do you count Boston, Massachusetts, a small town America? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't think Boston's. <laughs> no, no, we have to. We have to do a sequel to my like. Is it a bug hunt list where I I try to classify <laughs> is this like a all small the small towns? Yeah. Now? Yeah. So so weigh, weigh it against the wider canon of shotgun scenario entries, and I think you will find that weird stuff happening in small town America is an underutilized trope. Radical radical small town anarchy. Boston is a small town. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> New York Wait, City is, a, is simply a series of small towns very close together. <laughs> uh, real, real talk, I do want to do, because uh, I, I, I alluded at it earlier, but I do want to do like a meta-analysis of shotgun scenario hooks and see how many of them actually do fit into those some of those cliches that I described. I think that'd be a fun little project. I think most official scenarios fit into the cliches you described. That's because yeah. official scenarios yeah. define the cliches. Exactly. I think that people are mostly responding to stuff like... Uh, Lover in the Ice, um, Green Box, and uh, Green Box is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iconoclast, a friendly says it's all fucked up, and the Green Box is fucked up. Artifact Zero, a friendly's gone dark. Well, I so I used to do a lot of airsoft scenario planning and stuff, and one of the things you realize really early is there's only like three, there's like three or four things you can do in any kind of like any kind of like 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 two sided like game. It's like once like one side can attack and defend or defend, both sides can do that. You can try to like capture a thing that's like that's either static, or you can like try to like escort a thing that's moving, and like that's kind of it. Is like, every 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 possible objective in like an airsoft game or in a, a force on force like the exercise is one of those. It's so funny because I had the same realization when I was coordinating my university's uh, humans versus zombies league when I was <laughs> right. in school. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Like I like, I think I had a reason. draft yeah. where I had listed like the four like types of missions that you could feasibly run for this that wasn't overly complicated um so there there was there were one or two that i i i had some kind of special shout outs on um if we want to talk about those real quick so yeah, one yeah. was material safety data sheets uh, find the damn that's already open um mainly because uh, as you guys again we've already talked about it, like my, like it's really portable you know it's uh it just get exposed to this uh infection they get this like pretty interesting handout that it's like you know in like text speak explains how bad it is and how to decontaminate it, and then they, then they just have to like do that. Uh, so it's something where you could like, again you could you could use it you could attach onto one of your other scenarios or use it as like a hey after the last episode when you were putting away that stuff you found you got contaminated or you know uh, you know a few, a few different things. The one, the one thing I want I kind of liked about it is the thing that kind of made me go like oh that's kind of neat is. They tell you like in, in in the handout to the players, they're like, "Don't try to research this. Like, you can't understand it. But if you research it, like in, in like in a few hours, you can come up with it. You can make a roll and come up with an, with like a, a anti venom if you could find the venom or whatever it is. So like, even if you kind of like fail, quote unquote, and what and these these organisms appear, you can use those to win the scenario and like find a find a solution. It doesn't like cascade. The fail cascade doesn't get worse and worse and worse. It like gives you another way forward. I thought that was a neat little. Neat little thing. I think that this one would be better served uh, if it was the opening to a revenge tale. Like if instead of them accidentally finding this March Tech thing, if this was March Tech using it on them as like test dummies or or someone um, else having back to them its way, like fuck you. Or yeah, yeah, punishment 
like a star chamber type thing for having fucked up an earlier Delta Green operation. And then like after they get out of the, you know, the memetic infection or whatever this thing is, uh, after they recover from it, then they have like a directive to go fuck somebody else up. But it was neat. I think that, um, you know, I just talked about cliches or whatever in this one. And this one definitely uh, does not fit into a mold. It's, you know, bad things are happening to the agents. Figure it out. And that's that's fresh. Uh, and also, the, the other thing I see about it is, like, that, again, the handout is, like, I think it's written pretty well. And, like, if somebody, like, actually turned it into, like, a nice, like, actual MSDS style, it made it look nice, then it's a pretty solid... Like this is like I think this would be a fun con scenario because you basically just people sit at the table, you're like here are your agents, boom, read this. Like now, what you know, you guys are all trying to like trying to solve this problem collectively, and when people die or you know go off the reservation or like try to like you know because one of the ways to stop it is like stop someone's heart for two minutes. Like, so when that happens in a con scenario, it's like well, it, it failed. Like I tried, you know, it would suck to have that happen to your like love lovely agent of, of you know of fifty scenarios. But in a con game, it's like go wild, you know. Kevin, you're fairly familiar with the composition of the material data safety sheets, right? You know what they look like and yeah. everything. Uh, do you think that this handout would look good as a material safety data sheet? This person who creates it? I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd, I mean, it, does it, does, does it, it, does, it doesn't have anywhere near well, the same type well? of data in it, but you could, you could, you know, you put it in boxes with like yellow hash marks around it. Like you could make it look like a like warning handout, you know, type. I guess if you wanted to go crazy, I guess I guess you could make it like an MSDS. You could you could have had some stuff like, you know, lethal quantity, like any amount, you know, like yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll see people like I've seen some MSDSs that are like terrifying, like like you know, lethal level, like like any contact, you know, like area, like like airborne, like oh god, what is this? <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere near this thing. Like, if exposed, like seek help within the first five minutes, or like you know, find a coroner, you know. Call the ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> So yeah, so, so that was one that I liked. Um, again, mainly it's reportability, and you know, it, it's not there was not a ton of depth, but it is. I think it could be interesting to toss at your agents if there's you know, especially if your agents have the skills to deal with it. Because you happen to have a bunch of agents that are like biochemists or like you know, smart like smarty smart type guys. This is a fun challenge for them that doesn't involve having to shoot you know shoot the enemies down in theory. So yeah, that was that was that one. Uh, the other one that I liked was in the shadow of his eye which again, i keep closing these and then not reopening so let me find it again there it is um what's the blurb for this one blurb for this one is uh <laughs> you uh, uh you know a, a, a random delta, a random delta green report of of uh of this so so this person who's like a hermit living in the woods which i think is part of the weakest part of the scenario sends delta green some information saying like hey we think there's something going on at this youth camp in alaska and when you get there there's um at first everything seems fine and then the camp is like a little little weird and if you if you stick around and like can hide and like investigate further you find out that there's this uh like uh i think it's yog sagoth but the, you know there's this unnatural like orb above the camp that is kind of making things a little oh, making yeah, things stranger in the one, area yeah. and then the guy who you think is dead is like slowly like lobotomizing people through a ritual uh and i think the, the ritual is like kind of gnarly where uh Mainly because it's like to a child, but like so the the guy puts his hand on the child's head and then the head peels open like a pomegranate and then they he takes out like part of the kid's brain and it like flies in the sky and then the kid wanders away un- unaware. Which like I don't know, I thought that was a pretty gnarly like descri- description. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty spooky. So, 
biggest criticism here is like you don't need like the the crazy hermit in the cave. Like I don't think they add anything to the scenario. Just just have either either have the Manila envelope arrive and and cause Delta Green to investigate and then just investigate the camp, or just give the, give the agents another reason to be at the camp for some reason. I mean, like, give give another reason to be there because if, even if you go talk to the hermit, like it even says like. The sender of the envelope, you know, it's a woman living in, you know, the end of Palmer. Um, you know, uh, it, it's her son that yeah, was if missing they, if a they long question time ago. Her, if they question her, agents get little they don't already have from the briefing. So, like, questioning her doesn't even give you any like extra clues. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So her son is kind of a tie-in, but I just it doesn't. That's like a couple hundred words you could have made more interesting campers or more interesting camp people. Oh, the thing that stood out to me about this scenario is that I I really like um, I saw the movie Nope recently and the thing floating in the sky and just kind of like making the clouds form around it or like camouflaging itself up in the sky it really reminded me of the, the monster from nope what's the uh movie about the guys who go back to the death cult that they were raised in and it's that realm uh, of the like, endless that yeah and it's that realm of like the time bubbles and stuff yeah the endless and this one reminded me of that and then it also reminded me of jake's mundane or, or new scenario entry about like the camp where they try to ungayify the kids by like subjecting them to various psychological tortures. Yeah, yeah. But Jake's scenario was um first was obviously mundane. I liked your scenario, Jake, there because you just straight up said, This isn't a Delta Green operation. We are doing this for a favor which I think is a cool twist on the whole like Actually, it was mundane the whole time. No, yeah, like we're yeah. Delta Green operates on the principles of actually revenge is awesome. That's a motivation the players yes. can understand and empathize with. <laughs> so many, and so great, a plus. And I agree with Kevin. I think I submitted basically the same feedback on this one, which is that you, if you trim the briefing, you have room to do some sample kids, which is really important because yes. that's the first thing the players are going to investigate. Is you know. Hey there, six-year-old Johnson. Um, what personality details do you have that I'll remember? I think that the camp probably needed at least one other um, NPC as to be detailed as like someone who works there or whatever. I think you could have taken the woman who you know called called this in to the feds or whatever, and replaced that with like someone who works at the camp who feels guilty. And or then someone it's who's an like a part-time worker, so they're not fully affected, but they're getting some effects of it. Right, yeah, so yeah. When they and leave, that's like, like another avenue for investigation yeah. there too. The, the only, I think, the only problem with this is that it it, it's, it might read better than it plays in terms of like, because if if I tell the agents like, oh, you notice that there's a like hole in the sky that doesn't fill in. If you if you if you're told that, you notice it. Or is it this was like a movie or a TV show? They could show you that a bunch of times and then slowly, like, you figure it out. And in in Delta Green, I don't know if I could slowly have agents realize that because every time you pointed it out they put like why do you keep talking about the, the hole in the sky like oh that's obviously something i need to like look at or investigate more so i'm not sure i think you'd have to really land that perfectly or create some handouts that have it and then like if you give them like 10 handouts like 10 of the photos and they all have this like odd shaped hole then they, then they might see it and then if they notice it it's cool that might work uh so any other um i want to talk a little bit about the whole the, this i think i mean i'm, I'm fine talking about the kind con- of contest as a whole the, the the elephant in the room, so to speak. But does anybody have another scenario they want to talk about in the next? Uh, we you should know, talk about the winner. 10, 15. Oh yeah, take the A train. Uh, yeah. What do you what do you think about it? Uh, so first of all, let's summarize it so that uh, people who haven't read it will be able to know the uh, the blurb for it is 
One moment, please. If you don't pay the toll, you'll have to stay in the hole. Which is fun, but doesn't describe anything to me. <laughs> not descriptive, yeah. <laughs> not descriptive at all, but it's It's not descriptive, but it's attention-grabbing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, to, if I could try and summarize this one as best I can. Uh, the Delta Green agents are chasing after a wizard. Uh, the wizard gets onto a subway train. There are other uh, subway riders on the train. Uh, the train makes a detour to the Shadow Realm, uh, for lack of a better term. And weird stuff happens there. And uh, the NPCs are very engaging in the scenario. That's one of the things that I liked about it was that all the various NPCs that are on the train with you uh, have their own motives that are spelled out really well. Uh, actions that they can take are are detailed. Well, and so, so they're described like Discount Joker, Jane Jordan, uh, you know, Desk Writer, Pearl Miller. Like those descriptive blurbs give you, like if someone is a Discount Joker, then they're going to be like, if if something happens in a scenario that you haven't accounted for, you can think about that, and you everyone knows someone like that, and they can figure out what the reaction would be, and it'll feel real. So the NPCs are very easy; like, they seem oh, yeah. very easy to. I, to I run think that's an economical word count usage too, yeah. because it's it's um, very easy to interpret, and it says a lot with a little. Why, why say lot word when few do trick? Well, it's it's like the um, remember for the for the Navy SEAL in. Slamming as Clan Bay, can we describe him as someone who says he was on the Bin Laden raid? That tells you, like, in, in that many words, we told you so much about that dude. And, and, you know, so like, these are the same. They have the same, they lift in the same weight here, you know? So, um, the, the dilemma is also an important part of this scenario. Um, there's a dilemma that basically there's a payphone, the voice on the other side. It's a payphone, right? The it's emergency, emergency phone. phone. Yeah. Emergency phone. Uh, right. Payphones don't exist anymore. Um, the person on the other end says that we uh, we need a blood sacrifice. Uh, two people die or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah he says about two total, people. Yeah. He says about two people should do it. So they're demanding that out of the, you know, the end number of people present, two of them have to die. And so I, I thought it would be... Uh, I, I didn't listen to a playtest. I don't know any any details of how the playtest went, but I know that this one was playtested. But in my mind, when I run this, I could see voting blocks forming. I could see like, you know, the player characters trying to have to persuade uh, persuade one or two of the other NPCs to go along with it, and some of them might, and some of them yeah, might like, not. If we all just cut our hand a little bit, like we can all get out of here. You know, right? Yeah. There's there's that, so Fuck many yeah. different ways to to pay the the dull troll, the dull toll. This scenario reminds me a lot of drifting, which is from like ten years ago, or maybe even longer than that. Um, and that one was based off of some piece of media that I wasn't familiar with, but was basically a scenario about a group of people in a city block, including the player characters, that get transported into the future by a malfunctioning machine, and then you have to like live in the world where the sun is all red and shit. And there's a bunch of NPCs, and like one of them has a gun, and one of them's a real asshole, etc. And then you have to find a way to get back to Earth. And it's not really given that much detail how you do that. I really like that one. And I think this one is that, but if it was an actual scenario. I, I do think it's funny that, so it's it's one, zero or 1d4 sand to realize you shouldn't be there. And so if, if you want to like, if you want to min-max and speed run this, you keep going in there and then just, just having everyone bleed a little bit because you get one sand for everyone you bring back alive. So if you can bring back like a dozen people, you can get 12 sand back for a very small cost. <laughs> 
So it's like, wait, my agent needs more sand. Run the train scenario again. <laughs> Keep going through it. We've, we've solved out the green. But uh, this this one, I think a lot of people recognize that this was a pretty good scenario because of all the, the reasons that we described. As great NPCs, it's got a great dilemma. Um, and, well, it's simple. It doesn't. It doesn't have. It's simple. Yeah. It doesn't have a bunch of monsters. It's just like a bunch of people talking. So, solve the one problem, then you can get out of there. But that problem is, and I know, and Melon likes to harp on it, and he's right. This, the, it's not a, a choice where, it's not a choice like last things last, where the choice is like obviously to shoot two people. Well, see, that's what I was about to say. Is I think that the last things last choice, the thing that makes it fun to run that scenario is when the players argue about it out Agreed. of character. Yeah. And I think this one is like full of contentious debate topics. You could spend almost the entire game session with people talking about the ramifications of their player characters' decisions out of character and then have to turn around and, and, and roleplay that out. So congratulations to Bird for winning because it's very good and i think that it was very deserving of winning well it's also it's a it's a solid shotgun kind of scenario because it's not it's not 499 words crammed in with with obviously 500 words left out right yeah you know, there's no trailing it, thoughts it's yeah, complete it's, it's solid it's it, it's eminently runnable and um unlike other contest years where there were some head scratchers at least in my opinion there were some head scratchers as to you know well, the scenario one but this one i think it was an obvious front runner for me it fits the ideal of what i've always said a shotgun scenario should be which is that it is it is ultra focused on the single concept it wants to be about there's one problem there's one thing it's it's constrained in its its parameters focus equals quality so speaking of head scratchers kevin do you want to tell us any any cool stories uh i don't know if it's a cool story but Again, I'm happy to, you know, in the interest of both transparency and just, I'm just really curious, like, why? And maybe if anyone has advice, I'll take it. So, so we, had, we had two different types of, like, uh, I'll call them voter fraud. The, the obvious one was, was somebody, it was just, like, a usual ballot stuffing. Um, like, it's like five or six votes come in within, like, five minutes of each other. And they're all votes for just one scenario with, like, with like similar email addresses. Like, you know, Jake Cook, C- Cookie Man Jakey. You know, Jake Jakey too. Jakey Poo. Yeah, right. Like, oh, like that. Well, it was Jake interesting. And, and 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 actually, so I I, and I can't believe Jake, Jake tried to tried to use. Yeah, that you guys caught me. I tried to make sure that fruit dust came out on top. And Jake <laughs> can attest to this. I asked him for some advice, but so uh, there, we basically had like a Russian collusion scheme. Legitimate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> not even exaggerating. Like, like this again, is real. I, I know, this is not like woke politics from the green box. This, this is legitimate. So I guess there's a Russian Telegram group that um, for there's a Russian Telegram community. Russian Telegram group is like yeah, it's yeah, so I know. funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is that is the most esoteric um, 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 alter, uh, nickname for 4chan I've ever heard. The Russian Telegram group. Yeah. Right. So and they so there were some posts there that somebody sent me and then with like a Google Translate and then um, I looked for someone who could speak Russian to see if there was any you know, like context missed like cause Google Translate's not perfect but Google Translate seemed to be good enough so you know I, I've been I've been trying to learn Russian since like February of this year so so you were no help I, I was I was very little help oh, <laughs> it's, it's oh I see, I see I see what you did there Feb very clever very clever. So, so, no, so seriously, they, they, when they the tanks started said, rolling, I started dueling, though, you know? They basically said, hey, Jake, like, Jake, these are the three on. scenarios. Jake, February of this year is in, like, a month. 
Oh, February of last year. Okay, <laughs> you got me, Mr. Pedantic Semantics. Sorry. Okay, sorry, Kevin, please proceed. So, yeah, so they basically said, hey, here are the three scenarios that members of the community submitted. Um, everyone go vote for them. Um, so it wasn't, it, it wasn't like an organized, like, okay, hey, like, Jake, you make sure you go vote twice. No, make sure you go vote. But the so the reason I ended up kind of disqualifying him is that I said to myself, okay, if, if back when Mellon was in charge of Night of the Opera, if he had said, hey, here's all the NATO scenarios, let's make sure that these are like these are like treated better, like better. Let's all vote for these. Make sure we read these and give these the best feedback. Like if he'd used his position to say like these are the ones that are like like supported or better, I would have had a problem with it. So and if and if, Ma- if Melon had done that, and, you know, and he's my friend, and I was, I'd be like, no. Then a stranger doing it is also no. And I feel like that's a fair thing to make because I, I think I'm in full agreement. Yeah. Yes. So Kev- Kevin, what I what I said to myself, I didn't say this out loud, but I was thinking it pretty hard at the beginning of this year was that no matter what Kevin does with voting, I will not bitch him out because we tried like compromising on voting methods in the past several years, and it 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 never worked. And I'm not lifting a finger to help with anything. So. If he wants to go like, you know, if he wants to be like the Cheka, just break people's doors down and shoot them for bad voting or whatever, I'll just accept that because we tried like, oh, no, don't do voting verification. And it resulted in the 2021 contest being an utter failure. So I will just say whatever he does, like (laughs) we tried it my way and it didn't work. The funny thing, though, is that we we got... um, in 2021, there were a bunch, apparently a bunch of people on the RPPR Discord who um, basically accused me of exactly that, saying that it was probably Night of the Opera falsifying the votes. That's so funny. <laughs> right? Well, and it's, it's also, again, and we, I think we talked about it before, but, like, there's a difference between, like, Mellon saying to his, say he's got a group of, of home players. He's like, hey, guys, well, we just finished this playtest. I wrote it. If you liked it, you should go vote for it. I feel like that's fine. I disagree. I mean, so, well, like, like, maybe, right? Like, so, yeah, the, the platonic ideal for the contest is I want all members of the community to cast one vote. Member of the community is not the opera, it is the Discord, or it is Reddit, it's the other Discords, it's the Russian Telegram group, it is people who, it is, it is, it is the, the, the whole set of Delta Green players who play, who play like Delta Green. So, if you run for your home group and they vote, they vote for your scenario, that's fine. So, so I guess the distinction is, if you tell your players, like, hey, I wrote this, I submitted it, you should go check out the contest. You obviously know which one is mine, but, like, you should, like, if, if, if they all vote fairly, again, if I could control everyone's minds, that's fine. If they just cast one vote for your scenario, that's not okay. So, you know, what I mean? like, if they act as community members and vote for the scenario they truly like, which it might maybe it is that one, or maybe it's not, that's fine. But again, I can't control people's minds. You know? That I agree with, and the reason that I agree with it is because... If you say to everyone, go vote for the scenario, and they vote for the one that they like, whether or not it's yours, and anonymity is preserved. If you say to them, hey, here's the one that I wrote, go vote in the contest, but vote for any scenario you want, you've, you've, you've breached the veil of anonymity. True. I mean, I've asked people to vote for mine before, but not I, because... Oh, he admits it. <laughs> not because I wrote it, but because I the said, hey, I think I this one's good. have not, but I have thought about doing it as a, to prove a point. Uh-huh. I have I have said to myself, I bet if I said to people, this is the one that I wrote, go vote in the contest, wink wink, nudge nudge, I bet I could I bet I could do it. I bet it would work. I thought about doing that to prove a point, but then but I have ultimately each time I've decided not to do that because that's toxic and bullshit and I shouldn't do yeah, that. Sure. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't ruin the contest just to just to prove myself right. 
like I, I want because I know I'm right. I don't need to prove it. Based on merits, not upon having the larger friend group or, yeah. or group of people that I can. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I've always said. Yeah, and that's kind of what I applied to the Russian thing. Is I was like, this was someone from the group in a position of sort of power, saying like, hey, we should all vote for our our like, internal scenarios, not saying, hey, this contest is awesome. Hey, you know, support the guys who wrote who submitted stuff. Like our friends in this community, they like they wrote stuff that's awesome. But like, go check out the scenarios. Go vote for your favorite one. Like that. If they'd worded it in that way, I think I would have been okay with it. But they worded it in such a way that it was very. It was much more like, hey, make sure make sure you vote for the other Russians. They like, oh. they pierced the veil of that yeah. because the guy who who said that knew who wrote each scenario because they told him. Yeah. The, the veil of anonymity was pierced. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If that's somebody if somebody like, said on Night of the Opera, hey, here here are the the ones written by Night of the Opera community members, go vote for them. I'd instantly ban them. It's boom, gone. Well, yeah, like I said, if if again, you know, back in the day, if Melon had said, hey, my favorite scenario was take the A train, even that, like, I would have told, I would have PM'd him, like, hey, please delete that because like you, people who like you or think you're like the expert are gonna go vote for that one just because you right. said you liked it. Exactly. Even if he didn't say I wrote it, like. You know, have a, if, if he used a position of power to influence it. If, so anyways, if we yeah. of the Green Box released our shotgun scenario review prior to the voting yeah, ending, yeah, true, and true. we said, hey, these are our favorites, go vote for them, that would be us influencing the contest. That I think that anyone talking about scenarios has an outsized influence on voting because my guess is most people are not going to read all 50 because there's just too goddamn many. I think that this problem has, has only gotten... I mean, if it if it is a problem and a require you know requiring manual correction by the guy running the contest has only gotten worse as a result of there being more scenarios because any recommendation at all is more information than most people have about the scenarios because they have not read all fifty. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was the worst it, it had ever been in terms of like the information asymmetry when there were like seventy entries because that's a lot to read. It's so many, yeah. What I said then, and I'll, I'll hold to it, is if there's too many entries to read, then it is incumbent on the entrance to make their in, to make their their to grab my attention as quickly as possible. Grab the and, use the blurb to get yeah, people use, to use the readings, blurb. Yeah. Use the first couple of sentences. Grab my attention. Get me interested. Otherwise, I'm just not going to have time to read your scenario. And that's the, that's just that, that's. I mean, I don't mean to sound harsh, but that is the reality of a contest that has you know 40 plus entries. Well, especially in theory, if I if I, I mean I don't vote in these because I run them, but if I was if I voted it and I was Melon Bread, one votes one two three are probably my own scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I only got like two or three other votes, and I'm, and and I don't want to give them to my friends. I want to give them to my favorite scenarios, but I want to. I mean, if I can't read all fifty, you got you got to grab me pretty quick. Right, and that's fine because like if I if I put the effort into write a scenario, you're goddamn right. I want it to win. And I probably think it's good. I, I, just just <laughs> like anybody who like you know runs for public office, casts a vote for themselves. You're entitled to it. You get a vote. Okay, so I, I think that this is something that people used as an original justification for not changing who was allowed to vote back when it was only mailing list members that was allowed to vote on scenarios. The original justification was that, oh, anyone with a friend group could just tell them all to vote. And the, my response to that was always, you could also do that with the Delta Green mailing list because the Delta Green <laughs> yeah. mailing list was it wasn't a closed group anyone could just join it and yeah. it wasn't it was very loosely moderated they joined this list and vote for my scenario thanks exactly the, like the only moderation i ever saw on the mailing list was someone trying to talk politics and i called them out and Shane Ivy was like yeah don't do that and was that the old mailing list or the new one that was the old mail was the okay. mailing list so that but the the original list had yeah basically no moderation anyone could join it and so the main reason the main way that that group avoided 
you know, people juking the stats was just security through obscurity. Delta Green was a game that not that many people cared about the con- the shotgun scenario contest for until the new edition came out. And then the new edition is what brought popularity and therefore brought this discussion about how do we encourage participation without giving... And, and I remember that my, my argument at the time being that if... Because the, the issue we were having, if you'll recall, is that when it was limited to mailing list voters, there were more scenarios than there were voters in just about every like the first two years. Yeah. And so that meant that like the first place winner won with like two votes because most of the people voting were submitters and they were just voting for themselves. And then that was the big reason to change it to instant runoff. Yeah. But then I think it still, it still just comes, gets to this, um, this issue of how many, how many voters did we have this year? Uh, in like the people's choice in either category. There were not that many in, in submitters, which I, which I was, I mean, it is what it is, but I was kind of annoyed at. Um, it's like I feel like if you wrote a scenario, you, you can vote for a scenario. Um, so submitters, there were 20, 26 people. Twenty or sorry, twenty five out of the like forty five ish voted, and fifty four people voted in People's Choice. And I, pr- I probably dumped out ten of those, maybe less, maybe like eight. So forty five, fifty votes. Okay, so in neither case were there as many as many votes as there were scenarios. Correct. Yeah. Okay. See, that's that. I think that's that's the real issue is that as long as you have more choices than you even have voters, you're always going to be susceptible to brigading because it just has an outsized impact compared to the size of the group. If there were thousands and thousands of voters, then I think brigading wouldn't matter because that would just be like yeah, yeah. You could it, in in a scenario where there's in a scenario where there's a thousand people voting, I would consider brigading to just be like any other get out the vote effort. Yeah. True. I, don't, I think it's got less to do with the ratio of voters to submitters and more to do with the absolute number of voters. Because if, if there were thousands and thousands of voters and there were thousands and thousands of, of submissions, would, brigade, would, would brigading still have an effect? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that um, – I guess it's, it's just whether I consider, like, GOTV an acceptable tactic is, is – yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Because I feel like the, the, the limiting factor is how many people can, can I as an individual get to do what I want. That number is not a thousand. That number is probably ten. But you, but you, if you wanted to, you can you could easily make a thousand Gmail accounts and vote. Absolutely. If you were a madman. Yeah, but that would be even more visible than if I made a hundred Gmail accounts and voted amidst the ten thousand other votes, especially if it was a single ballot, not instant runoff. Well, it's, it's funny. It's like it's like in a in a single ballot, like Saturnalia doesn't win. Because I can see Saturnalia had only only four first place votes. It had a lot of second and thirds, and that's why it was a winner. So, I mean, when I see that happen, I definitely think it's that's why there's some value in that. In a, in, a par- in a paradigm that I'm describing where we've got more submissions than voters, I think four first-place votes could could probably be enough. How many how many first-place votes did A-Train get? Uh, well, that's different because that's um, – sorry, I can't tell you that because I – when when, when I, during a runoff, when I do a second round to find a second-place winner, I have to remove the first-place winner as a choice. So, okay, so we don't it, know. It, it probably had four or five out of the twenty-five. Yeah, I think this is the this is the real issue is that um, whoever wins is winning by like just a, a pretty narrow margin as a result of there just not being a lot of feedback. And I think that's why the feedback form is so great because realistically, in the older days, you didn't get any feedback at all. Um, older days, as in as in not like the original mailing list, but like the 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 years where we were moving from mailing list to this format. 
the issue was that if you didn't get first, second, or third place, you got zero feedback on your scenario because realistically you got one vote and it was your own. And it wasn't because your scenario was better, was was worse than anyone else's. It's because everyone because everybody else had a scenario. Everyone else had it. Yeah, most of the people who were voting were voting for their own scenarios. So the Effectively, what that by... meant was that everybody who, who submitted at least one scenario didn't get a vote. So, so I want to talk about that. If people if people have actual advice on, um, like, again, I'm I'm just going to keep an eye on things every year, like I always do, and do the best I can. If you have advice, I'm always happy to listen to it. You know how to get reach out to me. If you don't have advice, then keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's like, to... I, I, if you don't have advice, I guess that means you're happy with how things are. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jake. You, I, I'll set you up, Jake. You said you had a good uh, stinger to end on. Yeah. So you came to me and you asked me for advice on on this this matter, and uh, I looked over the, the the Cyrillic and I tried to read it and I tried to help you out as best I could. It was a little bit past my understanding, but I thought that the most interesting thing that I got out of the message that was sent to you, or the one that they were um, trying to use to scare at votes, was the funny thing that stood out to me was the the words that they chose for Delta Green, because they used uh, Delta, which is, you know, it sounds like Delta, right? But it's actually not Delta as in the, uh, you know, the triangle the, that means change, like when you use it in a physics equation or anything like that. It It's the Delta that means like estuary. Uh, so they have, have, like they have a, loan, a loan word for estuary and then a loan word for the Greek letter? Uh, no, um, I think that the closest thing you'd get for the Greek letter would be like uh, triogonic, and and forgive me if there's any people that speak Russian and I'm butchering this again. I'm I'm new and I'm I'm teaching it to myself. So, but triogonic, which is like triangle, would probably be closer. But the the funniest the funniest part is that um, they used the phonetic spelling of the English word green. They did a, a oh not gar, the color a so green right. Okay green uh as opposed to the actual like russian word for green which is uh zielon but that's but that's not unheard of it's like how in japanese you use katakana for certain things you just use the loan word even if you have the word in your own language like you would you wouldn't you wouldn't translate the whole thing into japanese you would just you would just phonetically sound it out but so what i'm, what I'm trying to get at here is that this this uh, russian translation of um of delta green is essentially delta nonsense word so it's like delta green. No, it, green? I mean it's yeah. it's 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 a loan word. Like they're just they're just phonetically translating the name because that's normal to translate the name of the product just literally rather than trying to to um, like unpack it. Like yeah, that's... in 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 Japanese this would be called English, right? It's so, like like salaryman. Jake, Jake, you said you had to go to Stinger, so if you want to start that anytime. No, that was it. That was just the, that was just the interesting finding. Okay, because because I got I got some feedback in in Russian and I basically had no way to read it other than Google Translate, and it was all pretty similar to the feedback I'd gotten from, from English language users. Oh, yeah, yeah. The feedback from the Russian submitters and voters was fine, but also, like, fuck you for trying to cheat the vote. I, I feel like, I I feel like maybe we, what should be included in future contests is, is a stipulation that feedback should be in English because that's the language of the contest. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have never I had to put that. I don't mean to be xenophobic, but I feel like that's a reason. Yeah, I, I will definitely put that. And I will probably make a line that says, like, the spirit of this contest is anonymity. And, like, please. Because I don't think the Russian collusion thing was, like, them plotting. I don't I think, think it was were... malicious either. Yeah, but they but they did cross a line. Yeah, it's possible yeah. they just didn't realize that. Because that was a, I that remember that the other context in it was like, if we win, we'll use the money to buy more Delta Green scenarios for our group to run, which is kind of cute, honestly. Like, yeah, they want to, if they won, they were going to buy Delta Green scenarios and then translate them so they could run them in Russian. 
Yeah, yeah, which, you know, I I think that if you reached out to Arc Dream and you're like, hey, we're, you know, we, we like your product, could we get something? I, I feel like they might even just give them to them for free. They didn't have to go out of their way to try and do a whole voting scheme. Here to your folks. Reach out to Arc Dream. Tom Jake Cook said you can get a free scenario. No, I did not. I did not. There, there was a group I, that I, tried to they tried to do a fan translation of I think the the Handler's Guide to German and Arc Dream told them no. Wow. I I vaguely remember this. I don't have the 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 post open in front of me, but I remember this being a back and forth on the Reddit. That may be something to do with um uh, what do you call it? It's it's copyrighted material, so they probably just didn't want to have a, well, it's, it's a some, free some, version of their text floating around. Somebody may have already had the license to translate the, ah. the core rulebook into other languages. This Maybe is what happened with Mountains of Madness in the in verse 3, didn't it? Uh, what happened with Mountains of Madness is that Chaosium is a shit company and uh, doesn't like to do things that are cool, like release second editions that are fully written, have a whole bunch of extra content and new art that was commissioned specifically for it that have been out for years, and that the original authors are just distributed to people for free when they ask. <laughs> um, but to, to give you an example of a company who's not shit, I know... Um, that there is a Ukrainian Battletech group that uh, has been working on translating the books into into Ukrainian. Or at least, you know, they were before, you know, things happened. Now they're fighting the Russians. Now they're fighting off their own Russian collusion scheme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Good contest. Thank you to everyone who submitted. And uh, I'm really hoping we can find some solution to, like... The Russian collusion. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm just more generally... I think it's sad when there's a lot of entries, and as a result, most of them don't get read by most people. And I think this is this is something... This, this is the real... The thing that I'm honestly much more concerned about than, like, the voting thing. It's it's the nature of the beast. There's no way to fix it. Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's fine. Pe- people have finite amount of Can't attention. Helped. And there are a large number of entries, so the way the only thing you can do is have is make it a competition of who has who has the entry that looks the most interesting to read. You got the shiniest rock in the pile. Yeah, exactly. I either have it's to make the, the buried the entry too high, which is not going to do, or I have to make it like answer these five questions about random scenarios. Hey, here's a trivia yeah, question. Actually, no, yeah, 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 to make sure only, you actually read them. A check on learning. The, because the the limiting factor is the limited attention of a single reader. The only way you can fix that is to artificially constrain the number of entries. And yeah, that's not yeah. a good idea, I don't think. It would have effectively the same result as doing nothing, which would be a, a um, survival of the fittest, essentially, which is the ones the entries that win are the ones that look to be the most interesting to read. And if you were to constrain the entries by some arbitrary, um, some arbitrary set of criteria, you would end up with much the same result. So how far are you sitting for your microphone today, Jake? Uh, if I had to measure it, I would say it's about two hand widths apart. Wow, he's done it right. No, Americans will go to any lengths to not use the metric system. I don't, I don't, I know what... It's like feet... two small rocks. Jake, I know what feet and inches are. I work for... Yeah, I know what feet and inches are because... <laughs> Points to Jill's. <laughs> <laughs>